Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. With me, as always, is Charles W. Chuck Bryant. Dressed like me today, aren't you? You've even got like a little food stain right there, just like me. <laughs> yeah, we're, I'm wearing like a plaid collared shirt with a sweater over it. And Josh came up and was like, what's up with that? You're stealing my look. Yeah, <laughs> and you are. But you wear it well, Chuck. Well, if you came in with a t-shirt with a hole in it and a half beard and a baseball cap. You would yell at me, and too. flip-flops, I would say the same thing. You'd get out the car radio antenna again, wouldn't you? Yeah. Whack. The caning. Yeah. All right. What's your setup here? Well, okay. You ready for my setup? Mm-hmm. This is all business, isn't it? Let's do it. All right, Chuck. You ever heard of J.B. McKinnon? No. You ever heard of the uh, 100-mile food movement? Yes. Okay. So J.B. McKinnon and uh, I think his girlfriend were the people who originated this and wrote that book, Plenty. That's the idea that you try to not eat any food that's more than 100 miles from your home, right? Right. And that kind of lends itself to seasonal eating. Local vor. Yeah. Sure. Um, He said, apparently, good luck finding... A beer that was produced within a hundred miles, like grown, produced, yada right. yada, all within a hundred miles, right? But yeah, it's the local basis of the locavore movement, or at least the mouthpiece of it, right? Sure. So he's become kind of this boy wonder in, in, in environmentalism as a whole uh, since that book was released. People look to him for advice, and he puts on his glasses and, <clears throat> and clears his throat and gives it to him sometimes. <laughs> um, but McKinnon. Uh, had this pretty awesome article um, that was republished in the October, September, October Utney Reader. Uh, and it was about basically not getting paralyzed by having so many problems presented to us like we do, right? And he cites the sociologist. Paralyzed into not taking action? Yeah. Like, it's like there's nothing I can do. Yeah. Or into taking too much action, which is equally problematic, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, there's a, uh, a famous sociologist named Stanley Cohen, and Cohen uh, that J.B. McKinnon cites. This is a me. Right. I'm just a fan. Sure. Um, McKinnon cites Cohen's book, uh, States of Denial. And basically in it, Cohen's like, he, he talks about how we dilute ourselves into inaction, mm-hmm. right? Largely because it's just too much or... You know, we're trying to do too much. And he says, you know, there's only so much we can do. Right. And we can't waste our energy on every single problem that we face. True. So what McKinnon suggests is um, called vertical agitation, where you pick one topic and you give it everything you've got. If you want to save the dolphins, you save those dolphins, you know? Yeah. If you want to um, make sure every single person in America follows through on this compact fluorescent bulb thing right that's your thing to make that your movement if you are interested in reducing the um, waste stream mm-hmm. that's your thing i like that and this is your podcast dang straight this is your podcast i think i like the outtake better nope okay <laughs> well let's plug ahead chuckers chuck specifically we're going to start out with a problem that well, let's talk about this. One of the biggest sectors of municipal waste, that waste stream, huge, mm-hmm. right? One of the big way, one of the the big 
areas of thought today is figuring out how to reduce the waste stream. And there's all sorts of ideas. There's a carpet company, and I can't remember what it's called, but it's headed by this great idealist visionary. Right. Um, And they lease carpeting. You, you never own the carpeting in your house. You lease it, uh-huh. which is you're paying all the same price or whatever, but you, when you have it taken out, you can't take it to the dump because it's not yours. That company takes it back and they recycle it. Interesting. It is. So I it's being it. diverted from the waste stream, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, one of the biggest, um, one of the biggest sectors of municipal waste, uh, that accounts for, I think, or accounted for 40% of all the waste generated and taken to the dumps in the United States is called construction and demolition waste. Yes. One big way of converting or diverting, I'm sorry, waste from this waste stream away from the municipal dump and back into reuse is demolition over, or remodeling, I'm sorry, over full demolition, right? Yeah, like if you renovating have, your, ho- your old home yes. or tearing it down, starting over. The problem is, is with with being green. I'm making air quotes. It's gonna. I'm gonna do that every time I say that word. Okay. Okay. It's been so co-opted. I know. But being green mm-hmm. is is a matter of details and context, right? Right. So like uh, recycling. Recycling's good, right? Just just putting your bottles and cans out by the curb. That's just a good idea, isn't it? Not sure. Not in every case, buddy. Like what? <laughs> well, wouldn't you be better off simply reusing a bottle? Yeah. Rather than throwing it out and and having it picked up mm-hmm. by what is actually a garbage truck, it's just taking it to a different place. Well, yeah, I mean that's and we mentioned this before, I can't remember which one it was in, but we need to point out again. That's why the reduce, reuse, recycle, it's in an order for a reason. Right. Reduce is the best thing you can do. Don't even use that bottle. Use your little aluminum bottle. To get your water. Fill it up with your little filtered water at home and just use that. Right. Reuse, if you happen to have a bottle, and we do a lot of this, just keep filling that thing up. Sure. And then at get the last... every last PCB every out of it. Every last PCB. Can. And then at the very last resort, you can uh, recycle. And if you're not doing any of those three things, then you're just a jerk. Pretty much. That's what I say. <laughs> so yeah, recycle, you're right. There. I mean, you got to have those big trucks that smash everything together and deliver it to places and right. the plants and... Uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, greenhouse gases emitted when you do that. There's a lot of waste. There's a lot of fuel spent. Well, yes, in and the, the recycling process. The same, but recycling generally is good. Yes, yeah, sure. the same thing can be said for renovating. Re- renovating is generally better than demolition, but it is on a case by case basis, and it has to do with how you do it. There's actually like you know a a greener way to to renovate, but if you're looking at a house. An old house, mm-hmm. and you say, "I'm either going to tear this down or I'm going to totally remodel it." But I want to go green. Mm-hmm. Which one should I do? The rule of thumb generally is to renovate, simply because it produces less less waste. Yes, right. And plus, all the materials it takes to build something from the ground up is obviously going to be more. Even if you took the house down to the foundation and the studs, right? You're still going to be saving on the foundation and the studs as far as buying new and manufacturing new materials. Right. You got a stat here, Josh. Um, about 136 million tons of waste every year, which is about 40% of what's filling up our city dumps is construction demolition waste. Now, I have something surprising for you. Let's I have I've got a little surprise, Chuck. Oh, good. That was 2007. Oh man, what's it now? In 2010, 
if 142 million tons were generated, which they were, now this is all construction and demolition, so which, which includes which includes highway construction and repair, sure. which accounts for a lot of it. Right. Um, guess how much is estimated to be recycled this year? To be recycled? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Fifty percent. Out of 142 million tons, 120. Really? Recycled. That's fantastic. So the, the, a lot of this is it's uh, being diverted away from it, right? So there's yes. success, right? People are, yeah. fine, are are learning how to do this. And that's a big part of it is, is not just um, not demolishing your house. Right. But even if you do demolish it, recycling the parts that are demolished. Reusing parts, like you mentioned the Seattle-based store, Restore. Uh, they got one of those here in Atlanta, too. Do they? Yeah, it's great, man. Is you it go- a Restore store? Like the yeah. officially restore? I think it's called a restore. That's cool. And um, Emily and I are renovating a house very slowly. Yeah, I was going to say, are you still doing that? It's very When slow. I first met you, you were like, yeah, I'm, I renovate every weekend. Yeah, that's not every weekend. Now it's Is like- that why it's very slowly? <laughs> yeah. What's the last thing you did? Uh, we did some yard stuff. Yard stuff, like fences and stairs and things like that. You still squatting? Huh? It's it's slow. Yeah, we're squatting. Um, <laughs> so far, so good. <laughs> um, but Restore is awesome because instead of going to like your big box retailer to buy your new door, go to one of these Restore places and they'll have like 60 doors that have been taken from houses and right. in great shape and maybe even cooler and more, you know, uh, period looking than, than the ones you can get at the big box place. Mm-hmm. So, and they have not only that, I mean, it's not just doors, they have like... Uh, windows and window frames, they have wood, they have all kinds of things that have been removed from houses for resale. Right. So that's a very good way to go if you're restoring your home. It is. And restore in any uh, outfit like this, they tend to be nonprofits, right? They get their their supplies by people bringing them in and selling them to them, and then they mark it up, yada, yada, or else they donate it and sell it, right? Yes. It's donated to restore. Or... Uh, at least in Seattle, Restore will actually undertake demolition projects. Yeah. So they'll charge you to demolish your house, but they do it by hand. Yeah. They keep the nails, like down to the nails. Yeah. Everything is recycled. Everything that could possibly be recycled is recycled. One of the cool things is um, since they're a nonprofit and since they're taking the stuff that can be salvaged mm-hmm. to resell in their store. Yeah. You get a tax deduction. So it may be slightly more than like w- what the guy with the bulldozer is going to, to charge you. Right. But ultimately with the tax deduction, it may, it may come out to be less and you've got that good conscience thing. Got good karma coming your way. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the projects they do by hand. Um, the EPA rated four of these, um, from Restore and they rated between, uh, 70 and 97% reuse ratings. Right. That's amazing. 97% reuse. And one of the other big benefits of, um, Demolishing your house by hand, uh, I mean, it's slow. It's way, way slower. Sure. But, um, you know, the trees in your yard have roots and a bulldozer with tracks, mm-hmm. even a bobcat can conceivably do it depending on how shallow the root system is. Yeah. Running over it can kill your tree. Yeah. It's not good. It's and a then, lot worse than yeah. running over your foot. And, you, and you've all, I've heard of nightmares from friends of mine where, you know, accidents happen when you get those big machines in there. Like, oops, I accidentally dug into your sewer line. Or, oops, I accidentally cracked your gas line. Mm-hmm. I mean, these things are supposed to be well-marked, but you got a 100-year-old house, you never know what's going on underground. Oh, I know. And, so the, and then once that happens, it's not only more money, but it's not good for what's going on in your environment, local environment. 
If you are demolishing your house yeah. and you are not paying, say, your restore to do it, let's say you're doing it yourself, you got some time, you mm-hmm. just feel like beating the tar out of some drywall with a sledgehammer. Demo's kind of fun. Um, there is, a, there, you can put your stuff on Craigslist. Um, in addition to not having to pay to dump it, people will actually, at the very least, come take it away for free for oh, their yeah. own use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So you can say, hey, I've got a really great door. Here's a picture of it. Who wants it? Dude, you can get away with getting rid of anything on Craigslist. And just the, the free section, like, troll it any day and you will see, I've got a pile of bricks. i got a pile of this. And people will come and get it. Yes, they will. Because they need that pile of bricks because bricks ain't cheap. That's right. And you might even be able to charge them if you're a savvy demolisher. For taking away your stuff? Yes. There's also, I wish I knew the name of the company, but I saw on one of the Home Reno shows a few years ago. Wait, wait, wait. A what? A Home Reno show. Is that really? Home Are you re- on like a abbreviated name basis? With Home Renovation things? Television Program. Okay. <laughs> uh, this company <laughs> will come out and take all of your demolition. Let's say you are demolishing it. They will take your demolition waste on site, put it into this machine that pulverizes it into little bits of nothingness. And separates the nails at the same time. Like you see it shaking and the nails are coming out the side. And then what they do then is they've got like half of your house in little pebble-sized chunks. And then they'll lay it under your driveway and then pave on top of that. Sweet. So right there, it's all on site. Reuse. And it's probably not the cheapest thing in the world, but you get to have a clear conscience that you didn't go to the city dump and put your house on it, essentially. Because this is what you're doing. We should probably also say that if you are going to save a few bucks, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of ten grand, and demolish your house yourself, um, you should watch some videos on it. Talk to some people who've done it before. It can actually be kind of dangerous. Yeah, yeah. You're deconstructing your house, and it, it could fall on top of you. Yes, demolition is very dangerous. You need to know what you're doing. You need to have the right gear. Don't be a dummy. Don't be a dummy. You want to talk a little bit more about green building? Yeah. So let's say you've gutted your house. And you're in the market to maybe make some greener improvements, right? Right. So let's talk green building, dude. Well, there's green materials, and uh, you may not know this, but pretty much any material that you need to build your house, you can find a recycled version of that if you look hard enough. Yeah. So that's where you should start. Well, you're looking at, well, there's two different ways that uh, uh, something can come to you recycled. Post-industrial. Yeah. So like um, fly ash in your concrete mm-hmm. could be recycled. It could be captured from, you know, an industrial, as industrial waste. Yeah. Um, and that's actually good. I think fly ash is, is particularly bad to just bury. Oh, really? It's good to use it up, good. from what I understand. Or it could be post-consumer, meaning like somebody took their toilet paper roll, put it in the recycling stream, mm-hmm. and now it's... Part of your wood floor. Right. Because that does happen. Sometimes the laminate floors you can get is recycled things pressed together with a wood veneer on top. Right. Easy to install. Cheap. Cheap, cheap. Yes. And uh, if you have a um, playground, have you been to the Piedmont Park playground? No, but does it have one of those uh, rubber floors? It is so much fun to walk on. (laughs) Josh, another thing, too, is you can, uh, they have this wood now, quote unquote wood, that you can use for decking that's not wood. It's actually recycled bottles. Yeah. But it looks like wood. Pet bottles, not glass bottles. Yeah, yeah, not glass bottles. Uh, and then uh, speaking of quote-unquote wood, uh-huh. bamboo flooring is huge. Oh, yeah. It's actually a grass. It's, it's all a the big rage. draw of bamboo, 
is that it grows back in five to six years. Right. Oak, like, takes 120 years, I think, to, to mature yeah. fully again. You know, you, you know what that's called then? A sustainable product. Really? That's what sustainable means. I have not heard that phrase before. Liar. Uh, you can recycle steel. You can melt it down, reform it, reshape it. The World Trade Center was largely recycled. Don't know if you knew that. I didn't. And in fact, there was a big brouhaha afterward because a lot of the uh, families of victims from the Twin Towers falling said, that's evidence. You should study it. And then Bloomberg, who was an engineer and other engineers, said, you know, it's should be recycled. There's not a lot you can learn about the structural integrity of the building from actually looking at the collapsed steel. Uh, you need to look at, like, computer programs that show how it was built. So we appreciate you saying that, but we're going to recycle it. Bloomberg was an engineer? I don't know. I said that, so I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought I, I thought I read that he was an engineer huh. at one point. He's a sharp tech. Maybe not. Uh, cork floor is another um, option if you want to go green besides it's the bamboo. Very, it's sustainable as well. Yeah, because bamboo apparently um, is susceptible to spotchiness from exposure to UV. Well, both sunlight. of them. Oh, cork is too? Cork is too. God. But you need to know this going in. If you don't, uh, if you live in a house where you have a room that's not like the sun beating down on it at all times, maybe that's a good option. Like bathroom. Yeah, exactly. A bathroom that's windowless. You know that doctor's office we went to the other day was bamboo floor. Did you see that? I didn't. Unmistakable. You could tell people you have grass floor. You can what? You could tell people you have a grass floor. Oh, yeah. If bamboo is grass. Yeah. Okay. Is that uh, one of the draws of it? <laughs> I don't know. Um, tankless water heaters, obviously. I yeah, think we might have, have talked about this before. Do you have one or are you just a fan? No, I'm just a fan. Oh, okay. It's called on-demand heating, and the idea here is, if you don't know about these, is that your your water heater in your basement, if it's a tank water heater, is just a big tank full of water, and it's always being kept hot. So if, if you need a shower, it's going to be hot. If you're out of town for a week... You know, they say turn it down, but if you don't, it's still going to be heating that water for nothing. On-demand heating means they heat the water at the source, then it flows into your faucet and uh, is is hot upon demand instead of keeping it all hot. Very nice. You can can have one for the whole house. Right. Or if you just want to have one by, uh, like, just for your dishwasher, you can do that, have, like, a smaller one. And they're a little bit more expensive, but you get that money back. You'll save it eventually. So they will pay for themselves? Yeah. Well, most of the stuff like solar heating and all that kind of thing and wind energy, that's all, you know, there's a, a payoff eventually. So you just got to look at how long you're going to be living there, how much the investment is, what kind of tax breaks you're going to get, and figure out if it makes sense for you. Or if you've just got the dough and you want to do a really green thing, then just do it anyway. Yeah. That's what I say. Insulation? Yeah, I, I like this one. Go ahead then. So you've got, I think, heating and cooling is about thirty to forty-five percent of your the average bill, right? Fifteen to twenty. The average utility. Oh no, no. Well, insulation can save fifteen to twenty percent. Right, but your heating and cooling is about thirty to forty-five percent of like all the money you put out a month on yeah, your yeah. utilities. Sure. So you proper insulation saves fifteen to twenty percent of that. Yeah. Not too shabby. Not shabby. The problem is, is this is fiberglass. And fiberglass can be, well, not so good for the lungs. Yeah, they've gotten better. I'm saying this as a a kid from Libby Owens Corning Ford town. They've gotten better with it, but you still, when you see the the dudes come in, they've got on, like, the hazmat suit, and you think, hmm, what am I lining my home with if these guys can't touch it or breathe it? Right. How about this? Line your home instead with old jeans. Old blue jeans. And newspaper. Yeah. It's pretty cool. 
And they spray this stuff in. Have you ever seen it? I have, and it's fascinating it to is. watch. And not only that, so it's a double doozy. So not only are you getting, they say it rates better as insulation. Right. You're not using the, the harmful, potentially toxic fiberglass. And you're taking all this newspaper and blue jeans and saving it from the landfill. Yep. So it's like a triple whammy. <laughs> right there. So what else do we have, Chuck? Uh, you got countertops, uh, recycled paper and glass and aluminum. Mm-hmm. Uh, concrete is really popular these days. Don't forget to use that post-industrial fly ash concrete. That's right. But that's all the rage, very trendy. And, of course, the compact fluorescent light bulb. Uh, the controversial is, Yeah. It's become, it's become a source of, um, well, it's become a poster boy for cynics of um, the ability of one person to make any kind of change. Well, they can. You want a stat? Yeah. Well, a lot of people don't use them because they complain that it's not a warm uh, bulb. No. And it's, it's very cold. Yeah, they've gotten a little bit better. They've gotten warmer. But let's say you're not a fan of it. Don't necessarily think that you have to go all or nothing. If everyone in the country, if every household swapped out one bulb in their home, that would save enough energy to power three million homes for a year, prevent nine billion pounds of greenhouse gases, which is the equivalent of 800,000 cars running for a full year. If everyone did one, one, one bulb. Is that right? Not bad. And they last a lot longer. Uh, they cost a little bit more, but you save about $40 per bulb over its lifetime because they last 10,000 hours compared to about 800 to 1,000 hours. And like I said, if you don't like the the white hue of the compact fluorescent, just put one in a place in your house that you don't spend a ton of time in and pat yourself on the back that you did a little bit of good. Can you imagine being the poor sap who has to stand there and time the fluorescent bulb to see how long <laughs> it lasts? For quality assurance, <laughs> wearing a lab coat, just staring at your watch for ten thousand straight hours. I wonder how. Long, yeah, ten thousand hours. What does that break down to? How many days is that? Several. Yeah, several days. So that's all I got. It's greener to to renovate. It seems as a rule. But within that, there are things you can do to be even greener. Yeah. Or if you're going to build from the ground up, there are ways to go about that to make it greener as well. Yeah. Because again, technically, if you Demolish your house and recycle all of it. Yeah. Or if and or if you renovate and don't recycle anything, demolishing was a better choice. There it was greener. Yeah. Chuck, what else you got? I got nothing. I got nothing either. Um, diverting waste from the landfill. Yeah, we don't do the green thing a lot. It's been a while. We like to touch these every now and then, and so we just <laughs> touched it. <laughs> it's been touched, and it touched us right back. If you want to learn more about all things green, um, How Stuff Works has a uh, an entire channel dedicated to green. It's a sub channel under science, right? Darn Skippy! You can just type "green" into the handy search bar, and that'll bring up about fifteen thousand returns, right? Yep. Since I said search bar, it's time now for listener mail. All right, listener mail, Josh. I got a couple of things here. Uh, one, a quick listener mail. Yeah. And then another uh, list of movies that you called for. Um, little known or underappreciated movies? Yeah, some were quite as little known as... Yeah, I got a problem with a few of these. <laughs> but first, from Rachel. Um, hi, Chuck, Josh, and Jerry. Huge fan. You mentioned the Snuggie inventor, and I wanted to share a little gossip. This is good, actually. Are you going to read this, really? I asked her, and she said, go ahead. Yeah, but are you going to ask the Snuggie inventor? I'm going to say allegedly through the whole thing. All right. 
Allegedly, last weekend, my friend catered the Snuggy Inventor's daughter's bat mitzvah. Allegedly. It was at some <laughs> Trump country club, and Ivana was there, allegedly. Allegedly. It wasn't an Ivana lookalike who was paid to be there. That's right. The event was Broadway-themed, and the daughter's face was photoshopped onto a bunch of Broadway banners like Cats and Billy Elliot. I've been to a uh, New York Broadway-themed bat mitzvah before, too. Really? Yeah. People with some dough? Sure. Uh, my friend worked the martini bar and allegedly did not get a single tip. And that's the scoop from Rachel, allegedly. And now, <laughs> what was it? little known movies, or underappreciated movies. What was the exact call for? Overlooked. Overlooked. Um, Attack, Attack the Gas Station is a Korean film. I have not seen that yet. I have not seen that. Uh, we had like three or four people send in the movie Being There. Which I say, I haven't seen it, but I've heard it. It sounds familiar. Oh, it's great. Peter Sellers, Hal Ashby. That's right, yeah. But it was not overlooked because it made $30 million in 1979, which is pretty good. Yeah. And it was nominated for two Academy Awards, one of which won Best Supporting Actor. Maybe they mean like by the average person. I think that's kind of... I was specifically asking for movie suggestions for me. Okay. Well, being there. I saw Capturing the Freedmans last night. Have you seen that? Oh, yeah. My God. That movie, man, the whole time I was like, they did it. They didn't do it. They did it. They didn't do it. I just kicked back and watched, and it was like, <laughs> wow, this is crazy. What did you think at the end? Did you think they did it or didn't do it? Uh, I don't think the son did it. I don't think either of them did it. I don't either. I think the dad had, we should probably not spoil it for people. Yeah. I think the dad had a, a definite issues, and he admitted as such, but right. I, I don't think he did it in this I think game. he got caught for stuff he didn't get caught for. Yeah. I mean, he got... What a great movie, though. Yeah, it was... Wow. Documentary. Um, one uh, nice lady sent in the movie Office Space. Not too terribly overlooked. Not it depends overlooked. on the, the crowd you run with, I would imagine. If That's you right. hang out um, with people who play shuff, shuffleboard regularly, yeah. yes, Office Space may have been <laughs> overlooked. It was overlooked in the theaters. It became a big hit on video. Right. So You know what was overlooked in the theaters, though, um, that shouldn't have been looked at was Extract, his third movie. Yeah, that wasn't very good. Terrible. But Idiocracy was awesome. I thought it was okay. It started to get a little old to me. Did it? Yeah, the premise sort of was like, all right, it's a one-joke premise, and it got old. No, I thought he did well with a one-joke premise. One thumbs up, one thumbs medium. Yeah. Uh, The Last Waltz, someone sent that in, the excellent Martin Scorsese film about the band's last performance, which, how dare you? I've seen it like a hundred times. Um, Alien Apocalypse, starring the great, great Bruce Campbell. Yeah. Uh, I've never heard of this one. Quaxer Fortune has a cousin in the Bronx. I looked this up, and it sounds pretty good. Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder. You can't go wrong. Never can go wrong. Gene Wilder, 1970. Have you seen the original producers? Oh, yeah. I've only seen like the first 20 minutes, and it's hilarious. Yeah, it's great. Gene Wilder was the man. Uh, the Proposition, which was an awesome, gritty Western written by Nick Cave. Did you see that? Uh, yeah, I did. Awesome. That's the... That's his one and only, right? Uh, With yeah. With uh, Guy Pearce? Uh-huh. Yeah. It, it's uh, it's an good. Australian Western. Yeah. I don't know if awesome's the right word. Like, it's pretty good. Ooh, I liked it. I, I liked it, too, but, I mean, I was expecting more from it, I must say. Uh, well, and since we're on the Western thing, I'm going to recommend um, the uh, the Jesse James movie that Brad Pitt was in. The, the Assassination of Jesse James. Yes. I have not seen that. Oh, man, it is awesome. Um, My Western pick yes uh ravenous yeah ravenous was great yeah it was another guy pierce movie jerry's like you guys are going on and on 
People like to hear this, though. Um, someone recommended the movie Synecdoche, New York. Schenectady. No, it's Synecdoche. Jerry said true. Oh, well. It's a Greek word, and it means, uh, I can't remember what it means, but it has to do with the play on the word uh, Schenectady. So the Greek word means a play on words? No, it, but... It, no, I was going to say, that's just... I can't remember exactly what it means, but it's a really, really weird movie by Charlie Kaufman. And, uh, I thought it was Schenectady. No. Okay. Well, Sine- yeah, Sine- I love Charlie Kaufman. And Philip Seymour Hoffman, the great Phil Hoffman. Yeah. I saw him beside me in a car one time in L.A. Yeah, I think you've told that story. No, I haven't. That well, was, let's uh, hear that one. I just saw him at the car next to me. He's like a <laughs> Chrysler LeBaron. <laughs> you have told that story. No, I told the story about seeing uh, John C. Riley. Oh, and I'm confusing John Voigt because of the Chrysler, Chrysler LeBaron. <laughs> Um, someone recommended Danny Boyle's sci-fi movie Sunshine, which... That was awesome until, until it fell apart. Yeah. Ah, my God, I've never seen a movie unravel more decidedly than that. And I've never been more disappointed in, like, into a movie and then disappointed by how it ended. <laughs> I Because it was really great up to a point. Yeah. Um, and then a movie called 44-Inch Chest with the great Ray Winstone and the greater Ian McShane who uh, was Swearingen on Deadwood. Ian oh, McShane. Yeah. And is, actually, he, is he the owner of the hotel? Uh, McShane was like the just the big dog in town. Yeah. Or, or Swearingen was. But uh, Ray Winstone and McShane were also in Sexy Beast, which was oh, a Oh, Ray great, Winstone great is a yeah. class act. Yeah. Yes. And someone also sent in, and I didn't write this down, but I'm glad I thought of it, uh, in Bruges with Colin... Uh, Farrell? Colin Farrell and Ray Winstone, which is an awesome, awesome movie. Okay. And then finally, this was at the last minute, like right before we recorded, a German film called Downfall. And I don't know anything about it, so I cannot recommend nor dissuade you from seeing that. You know what I want to see soon is The Human Centipede. I've not seen it. Oh, I've heard, I saw a trailer for it. <laughs> yeah. I really want to see it. It's awful. And I guess uh, if you have never seen Cats live, go. I go. <laughs> All right, Chuck, that's it, huh? Yeah, I mean, that was a good 10 minutes of movie, movie <laughs> reviews. If you want to say hi to me and Chuck or tell us to shut up, send us an email at stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?